Hello and welcome to another episode of Offbeat Grad. Today I have a very special guest. I have Amanda Cross from amandacross.co and the Happy Arkansan. And she's here to share some tips about freelancing. She's been freelance writing for a little over a year now. And she's been blogging for way longer than that. So she has some great advice. So let's get right into it. If you like this episode, don't forget to review and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And that's it. Enjoy the show. All right. So hello. Can you start by explaining your background with blogging and freelancing and how you came to where you are today? Okay. My name is Amanda Cross and I am the blogger behind the Happy Arkansan as well as Amanda Cross Co. I started blogging in 2011 from my dorm room or residence hall room if you ever known that people don't like dorms especially the colleges, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird to me. Um, but yes, I started from my dorm room. I went into the dorm's kitchen, and of course, someone had messed it up, per usual, with their ramen noodles or whatever, and something was messed up, like a microwave wasn't working, and I didn't have a microwave in my room. So I went to Tumblr, like all people <laughs> who want to talk about, like, who want to rant about, like, things that really don't matter in the world, they go to Tumblr. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I ran about the kitchen, and that's how I started my. Um, that's how I started the Happy Arkansan because at that point it was on Tumblr and it was called something completely different, um, and that was kind of the start of my blogging career as a ranter. Um, and <laughs> then that, and then in 2017 last year I started freelancing because I was almost done with graduate school and I did not know what I was going to do afterwards, so writing seemed like a good fit. <laughs> It is. That's always a good default. If you don't know what else to do, just start freelancing. At least you're not doing nothing. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I did not know there was a Tumblr community on of like college bloggers. I didn't even know that college blogging was a thing until I started in like 2015. And I felt like I was one of the first ones with like an actual blog. Because there were only like a couple other people like on Pinterest and stuff with similar content at the time so I was like huh this is sort of like new now it's really common now I see a ton of college blogs and it's almost too many college blogs I would say <laughs> it's a little bit harder to get noticed now I feel like that was the reason blogs like the happy Arkansan and like my blog Samanthability were so successful is because we were like out here we were out here treading the the trail <laughs> for these other people of uh, these new bloggers I feel like in 2015 2016 that's when it was still really new and so we were able to make an impact. I'm glad to hear that Tumblr is still alive and well. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, so you started blogging before you started freelancing, but how do they do they relate? Was it just a natural progression? I know you freelance right, so was it just a natural progression from I'm blogging about my own stuff to now I'm going to blog about other people's stuff? Um, it wasn't necessarily because at that time, like when I was really starting before I was starting, like, thinking about freelance writing, I really thought about getting a PhD, which I, I'm still kind of thinking about, but it's not necessarily, like, in my five-year plan. <laughs> um, but, like, getting a PhD is a lot of hard work, and so I wasn't really sure that's what I wanted to do. Um, you already got a master's. You're halfway there. Yeah. Well, you think so. It's about, like, five years. I mean, what's another five years? um but so I so people would come to me a few people had come to me and were like hey 
I see that you're writing what you like to write for my site. And at first, when I first got a few people saying that, like, I was like, no, nah, not really, because like, I was still in my own, like, little world. I was still thinking about going forward with sociology more. And so it wasn't really at the top of mind. But then towards the end of my graduate school career, when I was kind of burnt out, I had this research assistantship. So I was doing a lot with that. And I was doing a lot with my master's thesis. And it was just, it was, my master's experience was definitely more um, difficult than my undergraduate experience. And I think that's with that anything. That normal. But it, but it was just, <laughs> it, it felt a little almost too much stress because uh-huh. the department I was in um, was, it had a lot of turmoil in the department, a lot of turnover, and so it was making a really stressful situation for me. Mm. Um, and so uh, I decided I did not want to go forward because I had a really great undergraduate experience and a so-so graduate school experience. I was like, what if I just get into another so-so experience and have to do this for five years? Five years so, of commitment. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's much worse than two years of commitment I've done for like graduate school. Oh, huh, um, that's interesting. So at that point, I decided, you know, let's give this a try. And I got uh, someone come, to, someone had come to me and were like, "Hey, I saw your blog. I want you to write a few pieces for me." At first, I was a little standoffish still, but I eventually, I was like, "What? Well, what do you have to lose? You don't have any plans after graduate school. You're just, what are you going to do?" So I decided <laughs> to write. <laughs> That's so funny that you say you were standoffish. Standoffish. I get so standoffish and defensive to like any kind of weird email I get. So like, I'm blogging account because most of them are like literally 90% of the emails I will get to them are all like, hi, we want you to work with us. We also have no budget. Can you please like sell us your soul? And I'm like so over it. So I always approach any anyone emailing me and I'm like, no, no, I like don't respond most of the time. I think the worst ones are like the community managers who are like, yo, we just want you to kind of feel it out and kind of talk about our topic but like not in like a way that we're gonna pay you but like in a way that's kind of like it's like a post you would already write anyway yes, so they like, always think they're doing you a favor they're always like oh I have this great opportunity for you like we're gonna give you so much exposure and I'm like um exposure doesn't pay my rent excuse you and so it's so rude but like I feel like that's so common so that's hilarious that you were you weren't like gung ho about your new <laughs> freelancing clients. I get it. I wouldn't be either. That's it. Always creeps me out when they email me. They feel like they need some kind of mediator to show them how to like talk to bloggers in a way that doesn't come off as like spammy or like trying to take advantage of me. Oh my gosh! Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm currently caught. This is a, a big sidebar. I'm currently caught. I'm going to throw them under the bus. I'm working with this company and I hate them. Like, I can't work with them. I've told them I can't work with them. They originally came to me with this email and they were saying like, oh, we have this cool product. It like benefits like um, women's breast cancer research. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah, I'll do that for free because that's a pretty cool cause okay, no, this all derailed. They, like, mailed me their product. It's literally garbage. It ended up coming from, like, 
Korea, which was confusing, and it didn't look like what the pictures were. So I learned that they were using pictures from like a different company, and they were like, "This oh, is wow. it," and I was like, "No." So I responded, and I was like, "Hi, this isn't really what I was expecting. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think I can go through with it. Can I just mail it back?" We didn't have a contract. Like, nothing was formal. This was a mistake. You should always do a contract. Doesn't matter if you're freelancing or anything. Definitely have a contract. And now it's been like three weeks and they still won't take no for an answer. They keep being like, oh, but you can just post this. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. Like, no, please stop. I just want to send it back. And it's like really cheap product. Like, they had to send a custom form on it and it says like $2. And I'm like, what am I even going through this trouble for? So... That was my rant about companies who email really weird stuff and lead me on. For sure. You never know what you're going to get when you open up an email. Will it be something that's really beneficial for you? Like, I've gotten, like, actual, like, people who have a budget who, like, come through my email, which is very few and far between, though, because a lot of people, they just, like, they're like, oh, we have no budget at all. We're just wasting your time. Hi. <laughs> but they'll waste it for like a long time before they'll admit that they don't have that budget. It's like a secret. You have to pry it from them. But I've worked with brands for free before if they have like a really good fit or it's like a really high value product or like they have a really good um, message. Like sometimes they'll be doing something for charity and I'm like, yeah, sure. But this one, this one was a scam and I'm like stuck in it now. So the moral of that story was always get a contract and don't answer your emails. So, <laughs> glad we established that. <laughs> okay, let's get back to freelancing. So, where do you find most of your clients? Like, there's a lot of different ways. There's job platforms. There's content mills, which are a whole fun event. There's Upwork, stuff like that. Where do you find most of your clients? So, at this point, it's mainly Upwork um, through – because that's where it really started as far as, like, freelancing because I didn't really know, like, how – to pitch, I've like, I have a course. I'm working on pitching and stuff like that, but for now, it's like Upwork mainly um, because it's easy <laughs> and there's like a lot of different jobs. Okay, but you say it's on. easy. I have fought with Upwork to make it work for me. Like, I feel like there's this huge debate in the writing community about Upwork and other websites like it because you have to bid for these jobs for people who haven't experienced Upwork. It's like this big job platform where companies can hire freelancers. But it's a mess. <laughs> in my opinion, it's so hard. I can't figure it out. I don't know why. But it's always like they make you bid on your own rate. And so you sort of feel pressured to bid really low, even though you wouldn't usually charge that. And sometimes they'll send you like these scammy things. And these clients will be like, this isn't exclusive to Upwork. But the clients will be like, I need a 5,000 word article well developed in research and I'll pay you five cents. And that's just like normal. And I just was so frustrated with that. So I could never figure it out. So like, what are your, how are you making Upwork work for you? So I think a lot of it is just like having like an intense tunnel vision of like, I know what I'm looking for and I'm going to find it through like the tools that Upwork gives. So they have like a lot of filtering tools. Like when you're looking for jobs, you can filter by like payment verification, where the client is, um, just if it's a fixed price job or a job that's hourly, you can like filter by all these things, like even like how much they're willing to pay. But I don't necessarily do that because a lot of people, they put like placeholder prices. And another thing you can do if you're willing to pay a little bit of money every month, it's they have a $10 Upwork like premium type of thing. Um, but it's really cool because you can actually see what people, what the average prices that people are bidding. 
to like the lowest prices people are bidding, which is always weird to me because people will bid below. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. It's a that? race to the bottom. They're like, if I, <laughs> if I say I'll do it for free, then I'll definitely get it. And it's like, what's the point? I'm like, why? Like, what's the point? Like, that, to me, that's ridiculous to me because it's just like pulling everybody down. But we can actually see like the lowest someone has bid it, such as, and also the highest that people have bid it. So you can kind of be in the middle a little bit. And so, and also you can see, you can also look at like their old, like what they paid in the past, because just because they say, oh, I'm paying $20 for this, but you see in the past, they pay like $200 for someone to write an article or, you know, $50 for someone to write an article. You can bid a little higher because you know kind of their background. So like looking at their past jobs that they've done in the past, like jobs that are kind of a similar, like writing and writing, designing and designing, don't like go off some other, some other like type of jobs rate but if you do that like you can get a better feel of what they're willing to pay and then you can bid that and you might not necessarily get it but just doing a little bit more bidding and seeing like how just doing it over and over again is going to help you be better at Upwork I think that's a good point I always saw the premium account but I was like what am I paying for it was like I don't really know if that's worth it but I didn't know you could see like how much other people are bidding, that's a really good perk. And especially what they're bidding in the past, because that's going to show you how much they're actually going to pay. And I think that's the most valuable. So what about the profile? Like I always struggled to fill out my profile on Upwork. It was such a mess. It's still a mess. I should probably go back on and look at it. But I never knew like how to optimize it to actually get people to look at it. Yeah. So I think for me, the biggest things I did was, you know, picture, I did like a video, it's like a minute long, and it's kind of cringy. But it was, <laughs> I, but people have looked at it. So yeah. I guess it does help them um, make a decision. Um, and with that video, you have to turn ads off. And it ha- you just have to turn ads off. So it can't be added. You can't do ads against the Upwork video. Try to get money um, on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then also just like optim- thinking of it as like search engine optimization is a big thing because like the work that you put in your summary and then like the little one liner you get, um, people look for jobs based on that. Um, and also just filling out your portfolio with a few pieces. It's kind of hard like when you have um, when you do a lot of ghostwriting projects, but you don't necessarily have to link to things. You just kind of have to have a picture. Yeah. Um, and a little bit more about the project. And you can also add the link if you want to give it a little bit more credence if you can. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so let's talk about niching down. So we always talk about that in blogging, like niching down. But I think it's also important in freelancing, which is hard. Because I know when I first got started, I was like, I don't know what I want to write about. Because I just graduated college and I was an English major. So I was like, well, okay, I can write about like Shakespeare, but like who cares? So I didn't know what to really find. And now I feel like I'm really in like the B2B marketing SEO niche, which I didn't really try to be in. I just sort of ended up here. Um, So how did you find your niche and what niches are you currently in? So right now, mainly what I'm doing is digital marketing, higher education and human resources, which are quite quite different, especially because, you know, I'm 25 years old. (laughs) I have never really had a full time job. And I'm talking about human resources. I know. But a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) But I... work. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, Higher education was easy because I was already a college blogger. So I just write for companies who are wanting to reach out to college students and give them advice and, you know, include their products, obviously. 
and get them to like check out their websites. Um, and marketing was made sense because I, I was learning a lot. I was taking a lot of online courses and just using marketing in my own day-to-day life as a blogger. And so I started writing about those topics and that became a part of my niche. Human resources was a little weirder. Um, I'd seen a job on Upwork from a person who was a um, an employee engagement Slack integration. So they made an integration for Slack um, that helped employees stay more, stay more engaged in their companies. And they wanted an article about, um, basically it was like open offices and like how they extend far beyond just like a open floor plan in a in an office setting. And so I had an interesting um, angle for that because I really wanted to talk about millennials and how they got involved in the workplace and how they really wanted something that was going to be long-term, that was going to have benefits, that was going to be open and honest, that had employees that were going to be open and honest with them. And like having a way up in the company was really important for millennials. So I wanted to write about that. And I got a person that I knew from like a Twitter chat to do a little um, quote for the article. And that oh my gosh, that's helped. great. <laughs> um, and just uh, that helped in, got, in getting to that. And so then they actually let me use my name, which is so crazy because that doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. And I'm really thankful for them because then I can use those things as like human resources. So when I started applying for other human resources jobs, I can link back to those articles. So, yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of ghostwriting too, and it can be frustrating because you're doing like all this really great work and you can't always show it off. Um, I do mostly SEO writing, like link building. So I work with a company, I have a contract with them, and they basically businesses will come to them and they'll be like, we need to get our link out to this many websites. And here's the anchor text we need to use. Here are our keywords. And then I write those articles that go to those websites. So I write in all kinds of weird stuff. I've written about fashion. I've written about travel. I get to write about mainly SEO and marketing because after working with them for almost a year, they've basically like pigeonholed me in this like one category. And so now I get like all the tech and marketing stuff, even though I never know what I'm talking about, if that's horrible, like it'll be like how to do data management for your new app. And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. So I just Google it. But um, I think that's a great point about just even like you and human resources, you didn't study that, like you don't have hands on experience, but that doesn't mean you can't still write about it. Um, When I was working my full time job, we worked with a lot of attorneys and doctors and other medical professionals and other professionals who were really, really educated and really successful, but they still couldn't write their own blog posts. And just like that kind of perspective is really shocking to me. Yeah. Humanity is really important for like a freelancer because those people, they're kind of in their ivory towers. They kind of run their own little bubble. They talk to each other, but they can't really talk to the general public. And if you can talk to the general public, you have a great ass. You're a great asset as a freelancer. Yeah, that's so true. And even as a millennial, though everyone makes fun of us, I think we bring a lot to the, to the table um, by means of like communication. And we're just so tech savvy, like writing about the internet or just even writing for the internet isn't a challenge for us. It just sort of comes naturally. Whereas people who might not have grown up with it have a bit of a struggle. And a lot of the writing that people are doing are for millennials. So it makes sense for millennials to write for millennials. Oh my god, good point. You can make that a ta- like a tagline for your website. Writing for millennials. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about your career goals for the future. Like, are you 
ever looking to get one of those quote unquote real jobs or are you all about freelancing? Like, where do you see that going? Um, having a kind of a more, to be honest, I don't really want necessarily a real job, just a more stable freelance job. Oh, that's what we all <laughs> like, want. Doing more like retainers. <laughs> doing more like retainers and packages and things that are going to be more stable um, over time and just like having the monthly work that I know I can count on. And if I, if they need to stop having that little buffer window of like, hey, you need to give me some heads up if you want to stop this. Instead of it just being like, hey, <laughs> no, I don't need freelance work anymore, so bye. So you don't um, get to just, eat now. <laughs> <laughs> so just having more stability in that sense is, is doing like, instead of project for project, doing more um, stable contract or packaging retainer work. Um, but writing is definitely going to be in my future for the very near future. And just learning about different types of freelance writing because I'm really, I really like blogging, but at the same time, it's not the most paid um, freelance writing position that you can have. Like there's like copywriting and email marketing and stuff like that that can pay a little bit better. Um, so just learning about those skills and seeing if I would actually be in, if I'd actually enjoy writing, like copywriting and um, email marketing and just getting a little bit in there. Um, I have done some email marketing campaigns in the past. But I haven't really like delved deep into them, so it'd be nice to kind of see where that goes. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I had a real job, and I was not here for it. So, I think freelancing is a lot more flexible, and I also think it's going to become more common in the next few years. Like uh, my company I worked for hired a lot of freelancers. I just think yeah. that's like the way of the future. And I think it's so weird that report came out and they were like, "Oh, freelancing is not really a big thing." La da. And I'm like, I don't know about that report. I just Wait, think that who is, said that? What? Um, there was like a report by some like government organization. I forgot which it was, but they were saying that freelancing has actually gone down over the last few years. But They're I don't lying. necessarily uh, believe that. And I think that it's obviously easier for people. Like having a job is a bit easier for a lot of people because you know you don't have to chase clients. You don't have to um, do kind of work on your own. But I think freelancing is a big. I think from what I've seen, freelancing is a big part of things. A lot of tech companies, startups, and just different companies in general are hiring freelancers because it's e you can pay them a decent amount. And also, um, depending on the type of freelancing, you can get paid more so than you would be paid in like a normal nine-to-five job. Yeah, um, I think so too. And like you can – it's just so flexible. I like it because of that because I – and also, I don't have to be around a lot of people because I'm Same. an introvert. Me too. It <laughs> frustrates me so much. And I hate working with incompetent people. Like, it makes me so angry. So I would rather, like, I would rather do it myself and do it right than, like, have to deal with, like, meetings and, like, too many people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah, meetings are not my favorite because a lot of them could be emails. Oh, my. All of them could be emails, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have to, um, like, meet with clients over the phone or over Skype? Or, that scares the bejesus out of me, but I haven't had to do it. Um, yeah, I actually had one Monday. Oh, my gosh. Actually. Um, and I have had a few in the past. Uh, pe some people on Upwork do actually want to meet on, on the phone, which is weird to me. Um, but it's true. Like, it does help, though, because I've, I've noticed that, like, pretty much anything I've done over the phone has led to an actual client, an actual client, 
even if I'm very nervous, I'm shaking in my boots. And literally up until the time I get on the phone, I'm like, hey, can I call in sick to this? <laughs> it's like suddenly I'm sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm but like I force myself to do it because I know that if I do it more and more, I'll get better at it. And it does scare everything out of me. Um, but when I get on the phone, I usually just try to be prepared and like have something to say before I get on there. Um, but pretty much anything scares me that's like on the phone with somebody. I can't so. even call like my dentist without like writing out what I'm going to say. So I understand. Um, I'm trying to avoid any kind of client interaction where I'll even need to call someone. That's horrible. That's why I like blogging more because it's I don't have to deal with any of that. I hate that. But yeah, I think it's definitely it can help. It can help seal the deal. Like I had this one client. The one that literally just got like this week, like we had been trying to do something via like text, me- like we were on LinkedIn messaging and they've been trying to make this work for like a month or two months even. And we got on the phone and I was able to like push it into the next part of the phase, which is like getting paid and stuff. So like, and working with them more closely. So I feel like, especially if you have a client that you've been trying to work on for a little while over email and it's just not working, like seeing if you can get them on the phone. Um, even if you're like really scared and you don't know what you're doing, like getting someone on the phone is going to be helpful for getting it to the next level. Even if it's scary. <laughs> oh, you're braver than me. That gives me anxiety. Just thinking about it. I panic whenever I get like an email, like sometimes cause I work with the, that one company, but they'll get um, clients like feedback and whenever they give it to me like I panic but I get that email even if it's literally just like can you add this link I'm always like oh my god they're gonna fire me like even though that's never happened and they even with I have more extensive edits because some clients are just ridiculous like they're like they want they end up like rewriting it and I'm like why didn't you just write it for yourself okay but it's just confusing but I always get so much anxiety over that so kudos to you for like going out there with the phone and everything. <laughs> this is such an isolating job sometimes because I just like sit here at my computer all day with my dog and I'm <laughs> who is really loud and we just sit here like for like eight hours at a time. I have to remind myself to go outside. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely more isolating um, than most other jobs because, you know, you would go, you would like meet people every single day but like at the same time I don't need that much social interaction yeah me neither so like for me like people in my family think I'm a little crazy but like I don't just I've never been that kind of person I don't like parties I don't like doing anything with people um I barely like going to the store so (laughs) I hate going to the store I do Amazon Prime delivery like now they do Amazon now in Orlando they'll deliver it to me in like two hours I don't even have to go to the grocery store but now I try to force myself to go because I need to leave the house sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just do it, like, to make it so it's like, oh, I've I've left the house a little bit. And I almost <laughs> always Instagram when I leave the house because I don't. You have to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I always get people on my Instagram, like, in my family. They'll be like, wow, you're always, like, doing so many fun things. And I'm like, I went out once this week. I just took 12 million photos so that I get to <laughs> post them throughout, like, the whole two weeks and just pretend I'm doing stuff. But I'm not. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what are your final tips for anyone who wants to get into freelance writing? Like they're about to graduate college. They want to do this, but they're not sure 
what they need, where to begin, what are your best tips? Um, I'd say have a good attitude. Um, there's a lot of things in HR that they hire, personality and like train, like actually being able to do what you're doing. And it's not necessarily saying you don't need any skills whatsoever, but just having like a good personality will get you way further than mm -hmm. anything else. You catch more flies with sugar, whatever, honey, than you do with vinegar. Um, but also just um, knowing that you are going to need like the tools of your trade. So if you're a designer, you're going to need to invest in some Adobe products. You can't just be on Canva and pick monkey all the time. <laughs> you can't. Um, if you're writing. <laughs> I have Photoshop and I still use Canva like constantly. I don't know why. It's just so easy. It is easy. Um, there are some sites that use like Canva more than they use like a PicMonkey or something. But if you really want to like get involved, Adobe products are probably going to be your necessary tools. And like writing, you're going to need some kind of word processor. Maybe not Word because I don't <laughs> use Word. No one I'll uses Word. Um, and I have a lot of clients who just want, like, Google Drive links. And I'm like, cool. That's what I always do my stuff oh, in anyway. I always just send Google Drive. <laughs> I don't even ask. <laughs> it's um, just assumed. Um, and then also, like, um, some kind of, like, extra, like, spelling editor, grammar editor. I use Grammarly um, just because it's, it's nice and it, like, gets a lot of mistakes that I would make. You don't necessarily need to be, like, a great writer to be a freelance writer, but you need to have, like, some basic skills. And then, like, a good spelling and grammar editor. You also need to be able to type really fast. That's the only thing that I think can differentiate, like, an average. Like, you don't even have to be that great of a writer. You just need to be able to type super fast. Like, if you can't type fast, you're not going to make money doing this. Like, if it takes you a week to do, like, one post, this isn't for you. But if you can write quickly and write decently, you're, you're ready. So, yeah, just, like, having your tools of the trade is really important. Um, it just having some hunger having the ability to like get out there because this isn't like a regular nine-to-five job you won't necessarily until you get those clients that have those jobs coming in consistently you won't necessarily have jobs coming in consistently like when you're sleeping so mm -hmm. you kind of need especially at the beginning you need to have a little hunger to find those jobs and find those clients who are going to be more consistent for you yeah, this job definitely isn't for people who want a lot of structure. <laughs> I found that I have to build yeah. my own structure, and even that's pretty weak because sometimes I have a lot of work, sometimes I have no work, and you just have to sort of work around that. I think that's why it's good that we also blog. That's a second revenue stream. <laughs> like maybe if you're interested in freelancing, you can start freelancing and also start doing other things, like have a part-time job or work online in other capacities so that you don't have to 100% rely on finding clients when at the beginning you're probably not going to have a ton of success. Yeah, for sure. And just like having the having your own space is really important. Like just having a portfolio of some sort is I think it's really cool because it like for SEO purposes, like you people can find you in weird things in weird places just because they like googled your name or googled not your name necessarily because you're not that important. Well, Google. <laughs> <laughs> They're just Googling your name. <laughs> Googling what you do, like Googling if you're like a HR writer or a blogger, like whatever you do, if they Google that, they can find you. And they can reach out that way. So just having a place for people to find you, whether that's just like an Upwork profile or your own website or both or a contently link, like whatever that is for you. Just having a, your your stuff in different places is really important. Yeah, and I think blogging, like 
go beyond just the regular portfolio. Like it's great to have your best work showcased, but your blog can also act as your portfolio. And that's a great form of content marketing. You can promote yourself on Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. And that just gets your content in front of more eyes. For sure. Social media is great for finding clients and people find you. Like my recent client that I worked for a few months to get on the phone, um, she found me in a LinkedIn group. So also thinking past like just like your normal average thing and Facebook groups have I found some clients in Facebook groups too. Really? So, what Facebook groups? Give me give me uh, the gossip. I'm gonna go steal this. Uh, back when I think she found that one personally found me like back when Melissa Griffin still had her Facebook group oh. and I was like posting like my my blogs inside of like you know the um like people have the promote yourself threads yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever and you post your stuff there and then people like find your writing and they really like it and they might reach out to you so just um putting yourself out there in like Facebook Facebook groups LinkedIn groups and LinkedIn on your LinkedIn page hashtagging things that can be hashtagged um like on LinkedIn you can use hashtags in the posts and they like populate on like certain like hashtag page just hmm. and Pinterest is really doing a lot of good stuff with hashtags now as well so just to get yourself out there even more those are excellent tips so thank you so much for talking to me to finish <laughs> let everyone know where they can find you you can find me on thehappyarkansan.com or amandacost.co. Pick your poison. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe or rate wherever you listen to podcasts. I think we're going to be on Spotify soon, so that's cool. And check out offbeatgrad.com for more tips about freelancing and about blogging and if you want to be a guest on the show. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at hello at offbeatgrad.com. I would love to respond or answer your questions on air. They help other people as well. And that's it. Thanks for listening. I hope to see you next week. Bye!